0: This podcast is a segment of the book Godly Grit, scheduled for publication in late spring or early summer 2021. It will be available at Amazon as a Kindle ebook, in paperback, and as an audiobook. The third part of righteousness is restoration and reconciliation. When you have done the work of taking an honest moral inventory and experienced the impact of redemption, it is time to move ahead by admitting offense and harm and moving forward towards apology, forgiveness, and restitution. We do not live on a desert island. Our relationship with God and our fellow humans is vitally important. The process of apology and forgiveness is how broken relationships are mended. It is also how relationships can strengthen and grow. Righteousness is not demonstrated in a vacuum. It is revealed in how you relate to others through apology and forgiveness. One of the best examples of apology, forgiveness, and reconciliation is the parable of the prodigal son told by Jesus in Luke 15 verses 11 to 32. This parable contains all the elements for a study of forgiveness and reconciliation. The self-centered son commits a relational offense. The father longs for a restored relationship. There is recognition of the wrongs committed by the wayward son. There is humility on the part of the rebellious son and his return to those he offended. There is a celebration of the restored relationship and status of the son. The older son's bitterness shows that the same event can be the cause of different reactions by different characters. How we relate to one another tells the world our character. It is what defines us. The Bible stresses this type of relational restoration. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11. Finally, beloved friends, be cheerful. Repair whatever is broken among you as your hearts are being knit together in perfect unity. Live continually in peace, and God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. We would all like to have God mingle with us, to have that reassurance that He is always present, It takes courage and humility to apologize and forgive. God does not desire us to be weighed down with guilt, shame, or arrogance. So, no matter how difficult it may seem, His plan for His people is to be forgiving and work towards restoration in relationships where possible. It is essential to keep in mind the words of Jeremiah from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being, and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now is the time to put some feet on your integrity and begin to work on your relationships. The first step is to pause and write a list of those you have hurt. You need to take time, in solitude, to reflect. You need to be humble and honest. Your offense was not wounding the feelings of another. It was your arrogance, weaknesses, or self-centeredness. Take time to consider those you have hurt. Carefully make your list, including what it was that you did to cause them harm. Once you have your list, it is time to consider if an apology is appropriate. You will face some situations where it is best not to deliver an immediate apology. A delivered apology with a request for forgiveness may inflame some cases and cause more harm to the other person. Your goal is to create an opportunity for relational healing and not to cause a more significant division. So, in situations like this, have your apology well thought out and prepared and be ready to deliver it should God open the door. An apology needs to be sincere and non demanding. You should be thinking more about the other person than you are of yourself. You are not in a position to demand forgiveness. Be prepared. Writing out an apology before it is delivered is very helpful. You need to consider when and where to offer the apology. Will it be given in a face-to-face conversation or sent in a letter? You want the person you have harmed to know they are in control of the conversation and that you are not pressuring them for an answer or immediate resolution. The purpose of an apology is to address issues in a relationship where you have crossed a boundary and caused harm. It is an opportunity for humble and honest communication with another person because you value their relationship. It is doing what you can to rebuild a relationship and over time set the framework for trust. It is an opportunity to express regret over the wrong you have committed. It is an opportunity for you to own every part of the wrong committed. Saying, I am sorry I made you feel bad, is not a sincere apology. This type of apology leaves the other person responsible for part of the issue, their wounded feelings. An adequately delivered apology will help to define and reestablish boundaries in the relationship. It should help you learn from your past mistakes and be a chance to rebuild lost trust. An apology can also help put the conflict behind you and not allow it to fester into unresolvable bitterness. A humble apology can help you maintain your integrity and assist you in being able to forgive yourself. Many times, the hardest person to forgive is yourself. There are many benefits to an apology, but what are the consequences of refusing to apologize? We all know that relationships are essential, and healthy relationships are valuable. We also know that an apology is a useful tool in the restoration of a relationship when we wrong another. So why do we refuse to apologize at times? A refusal to apologize may mean that I am indifferent, that the relationship was not meaningful, that I don't care. For example, if I accidentally cut off another driver in traffic, I will not chase him down to apologize. He would most likely be intimidated, and I could get shot. My relationship with the other driver is not essential, therefore I do not see the need for an apology. If on the other hand, I rudely honk my horn at an elderly couple as I have done who are on their way to see me in the office, then an apology would be appropriate. In this case, the relationship has some meaning, and I crossed a boundary. You want to eat that crow before it has a chance of becoming a vulture. Another reason for not apologizing is because I see the apology as being a threat to my self-image. This excuse is not an attempt to salvage my self-image, but protect my arrogance. If this is your excuse for not apologizing, then you are in big trouble. Another reason for not apologizing is the belief that an apology will not help or the impression that it will make the situation worse. This belief may be a valid reason, but be sure that you are not using it as an excuse to soothe your wounded pride. As mentioned before, there are some situations where you should be ready to deliver the apology but wait for the appropriate time. Some apologies will never be offered. Whatever the reason, there are consequences for not apologizing. A refusal to apologize when it is appropriate to apologize will damage personal and professional relationships. A refusal to apologize will erode trust and encourage destructive rumination. The rumination can quickly turn to anger, bitterness, or even hostility. These are not the ingredients for a healthy, meaningful relationship. They are the ingredients for a war. How do we know when to apologize? You can use yourself as a filter. If what you did to another was done to you, and it would have bothered you, then it probably deserves an apology. You should take the time to think through and prepare your apology and be ready to deliver it when the opportunity presents. As you pause to ponder where you need to deliver an apology, keep in mind the necessary elements of a sincere and meaningful apology. You need to consider others more than yourself. The subject matter of the apology is what you did to cause harm. Make that subject matter the focus of the conversation and make it very clear. The apology needs to be free of blame. You should not blame the other person, the circumstances, or anything else. You crossed the boundary and are taking full responsibility. It is time to state the offense, take responsibility, express regret, and ask for forgiveness. Once you have apologized, you can reaffirm the relational boundaries and start to build back trust. When you are delivering an apology, you cannot guarantee the result. You may be asking for forgiveness, but you should not expect it or demand it. Do not manipulate the other person's response or pressure them in any way. You may have to wait for an answer. Do not forget the essential part, which is to communicate the value of the relationship. It is not possible wade through the murky waters of relational restoration without addressing the topic of forgiveness. We need to forgive if we expect our apologies to result in forgiveness from another. The Bible is clear on the importance of forgiveness. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, So, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and while there you remember that your brother has something, such as a grievance or legitimate complaint against you, leave your offering there at the altar and go. First make peace with your brother and then come and present your offering. Apology and forgiveness take priority over sacrifice and service. The appropriate response when you have wronged someone else is to apologize. The appropriate response is to forgive when you have been wronged, even if an apology does not request it. The actions, injustices, and abuse of others have hurt all of us to varying degrees. Many people have suffered unimaginable damage and injustice. Forgiveness is not condoning the abuser or the offensive action. That would increase the abuse. Forgiveness is not excusing the offender or their responsibility because of extenuating circumstances. No circumstance, medical condition, or psychiatric condition justifies ongoing violence. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgetting in the face of abuse is denial. Reconciliation is not forgiveness. It may be the goal of forgiveness But just because you forgive someone you love does not mean you should automatically trust them. That would be foolish. Trust is the bedrock of a meaningful relationship and is only built over time. What then is forgiveness? Forgiveness is letting go of anger and resentment. It is the recognition that anger and bitterness cause more personal harm than any act of injustice or abuse. If you hang on to resentment and demand anything from the offender, you give all your power over to them. It will destroy you. Do not give in to anger and bitterness. Let go of the offense and take your life back from the abuser. You need to get to the point where you can say and believe that the offender owes you nothing, that your life today is your life, and that the past owes you absolutely nothing. Forgiveness is not easy, but it is essential. You cannot undo the injustice, but you can stop it from controlling your life. The act of forgiving is the freedom needed to escape the trap of the offense. A victim lives a lonely life in a prison of their own making. Forgiveness will free you from that prison. It will increase your optimism and elevate your mood. Forgiveness has been shown through medical studies to guard against anger, bitterness, stress, anxiety, and depression. Forgiveness reduces cortisol, resulting in improvements in blood pressure, heart disease, and inflammation. The reduction of inflammation lessens the likelihood of developing diabetes or cancer. Forgiveness will also lessen the likelihood of developing an addiction and reduce relapses in those who suffer from addiction. Yes, we all want the benefits of forgiveness, but how do we forgive? The first step in forgiving is to be honest about how you were offended and that the offense made you angry. The process can be very uncomfortable as many of us have been raised to believe that all anger is sin. The reality is that denial about the anger caused by an offense is more likely to lead to sin than the anger itself. You need to be angry but sin not. This process is not an encouragement to act on your anger or to act out your anger. It is time to honestly and humbly admit to anger resulting from an offense caused by someone else. If you do not expose the anger, you will not know what needs to be forgiven it would be best if you then decided to forgive. You know why you should forgive and you know the consequences of not forgiving, but it will still take choosing on your part to forgive. Now take some time to walk in the shoes of the offender. If you get close enough to any other human, you will find valid reasons to reject them and compelling reasons to be compassionate. We are all deeply flawed, and we have all caused harm to others. If you realize your need for forgiveness, it can help you develop some compassion for the offender. Forgiving does not mean that you should remain in an abusive relationship or try to restore a previously destructive relationship, but it does mean you can more easily forgive. Now is the time to let go of all those toxic, angry, vengeful, and bitter emotions. They now owe you nothing. You are free from the burden of the offense. Reflect on your growth and be thankful. Another tool to help with forgiveness is therapeutic writing that was introduced in a previous chapter. This process can help you let go of harmful emotions. Therapeutic writing can be particularly helpful in two of the more difficult areas of forgiveness. Forgiving someone who is no longer alive, and forgiving God. If you are blaming God for your present or past life trouble, you need to get to a place where you can forgive. Blaming God is never justified. He is not the author of your pain. He has provided the path away from your trouble, If you feel anger towards God, be honest and tell Him. Write down your thoughts and feelings and ask Him for help. It can also be challenging to forgive someone who is no longer alive. You may feel guilty when you feel anger towards someone who has passed away. After all, you are still alive, but they are not. Plus, this is a relationship where restoration is not possible. This situation is another time when writing your honest thoughts and feelings may be very helpful. If appropriate, you should write your apologies, ask for forgiveness, and then write out the steps of forgiveness as it applies to that relationship. The Bible teaches that forgiving others allows God to forgive us. To the disciple of Jesus, forgiveness is not an option. It demonstrates submission to Christ. It is essential to realize that unforgiveness is a willful act of hostility and reflects a lack of faith. Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15. And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others... Your Father withholds forgiveness from you. So just how much do you need God's forgiveness? That is how much you should forgive others. Forgiveness is a serious spiritual matter. Do not take it lightly. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment and strife, fault-finding, and slander be put away from you along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, malevolence. Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. We need to model this life of righteousness It is the kind of life you should be living if you are a disciple of Jesus. So move ahead with your life. Pause to consider how much you need forgiveness. Find where you need to be apologizing and let go of the prison of past offenses and forgive. Today may be your time for a significant life breakthrough. Consider the words of David in Psalm 51 verse 12. Let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. When it comes to apology and forgiveness, ask these questions when using this principle as a filter for your life Who have I offended? How have I hurt others? Am I aware of my anger? Who has hurt me in the past? Who is hurting me right now? Am I willing to let go of past harm and forgive? Do I realize how much God has forgiven me? Do I realize how much it cost God to forgive me? Is my life a demonstration of negativity? Is my life a demonstration of the positive emotions of forgiveness, love, hope, joy, compassion, faith, awe, and gratitude. Protect your soul and spirit by pursuing righteousness. You will need a large place in your storehouse for the breastplate of righteousness.